This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast, Episode 2. This is the NT Filmmakers Podcast, where we talk to filmmakers and creatives from the Northern Territory of Australia about their projects, their experiences and their challenges. And now, here's your host, Steve Archer. Welcome everyone to the NT Filmmakers Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Archer. In this episode, we'll be talking to Eddie Salinger about his YouTube videos, exploring cultural differences... We'll hear from Penny Payton about how you can go about paying creatives for your next film project. I'll be giving you some tips and tricks on card and battery management when you're on location filming. And we have a terrific offer from an online supplier for all of our NT Filmmaker podcast listeners. So sit back and relax, everybody. I hope you enjoy the show. So for this segment, we've got Eddie Sikander, who's one of the local producers of uh, YouTube videos, who's come in to join us and talk about some of his latest projects. Eddie, welcome to the, the show. Pleasure to be here, Steve. Thanks for coming along. Tell us all about your, what you've got going on at the moment. So right at the moment, uh, I was making a lot of videos in New South Wales. So moving to Darwin, I had to transition a bit of uh, my traffic because over here, uh, I've had everything easy in New South Wales, more people in mm-hmm. Darwin. I had to change my strategy a bit. So what I'm targeting over here is basically the Aboriginal culture. Yes. So mm-hmm. mostly my videos have been promoting different cultures. And since I'm from a different culture myself, mm-hmm. I've had a big transition in fitting into the culture. So what I'm trying to do is basically target different cultures and ha- help them mingle with Australian culture and get them settled. Because um, I've realized that, you know, a lot of international students come here. They spend a lot of money. But to get it fully worth their money, it's not to study. It's to really experience Australian culture. So my videos are basically solving problems and helping them gain confidence to actually overcome the cultural barriers and do that. But since I moved to Darwin, mm-hmm. now I'm targeting the Aboriginal and getting them to really, really get into the different cultures. So what, what's your cultural background? So I'm originally from Pakistan, mm-hmm. but I was yeah. raised in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. So really a strict culture, you know, yeah. we're not really exposed to a lot of different things, like mm-hmm. the, you could say the drinking and all that stuff. Mm. And we have very strict rules, curfews down in Saudi Arabia. Yep. So that moving here, that was one of the biggest shocks. Yeah. And so you've been up in Darwin now for a few months? Yes, that's correct. About two, two and a half months. So you're, you're uh, enjoying the change from New South Wales up to, to Darwin? Big, big change, man. Don't tell me about it. I mean, the weather. Mm-hmm. The weather is the biggest transition, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't get many uh, 90, 90% humidity days in Sydney. <laughs> no, honestly, I underestimated the weather. My uncle lives here. Okay. And he told me that uh, don't get any full sleeves. But I'm like, yeah, sure. And I bring half my bag as full sleeves. And when I come here, I'm like, oh, my God. He was actually saying the truth, you know. Yes. I underestimated the weather. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, so you're doing short videos and you're aiming to educate people about cultural differences and how to overcome those differences that's right so so what sorts of what sort of things would you how would you go about um, creating a script for a video what would be your process interesting uh, question so it's generally aimed around two to four minutes so mm-hmm. not really short but it's it always has a story script yeah so basically one of the videos that I did was basically uh, it was like 
how the Australian culture promotes Vegemite, mm -hmm. and a lot of cultures don't really like that. So what I did that was I wanted to change the perception of people and get them to really try it. Mm -hmm. So I went around different cultures like Vietnamese and different, and I made them try Vegemite and get the reaction, and to see them tell a bit <laughs> about it. And to really innovate on that, we actually did a carpool. So you know the famous section uh, section of uh, James Corden, the carpool karaoke. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we sort of remix that. Mm -hmm. So he does karaoke, and we do like challenges about different cultures in the car. Nice. So that was like one of the things we did and now I'm planning on doing more Aboriginal stuff as well. So yeah. you're planning on traveling outside of Darwin or are you going to look at the, the local area first? At the moment, local area, just get myself mm -hmm. comfortable. I mean, I'm still not even used to the weather yet, get along the city. <laughs> yes, yes. You've, you've kind of come at the wrong time of yeah, the year in, right. in, in terms of the weather. But, yeah. you know, it's hot and it's humid, but it's it's an absolutely glorious yeah. place, as, as you know. Yeah. Uh, as Or as you've discovered, perhaps more accurately, yeah. we should say. Okay, so Eddie, tell us about the next thing you've got going on. Well, I have a project about uh, on Aboriginals. I've actually been in touch with them, mm -hmm. and I've been talking to them and asking them about their fears and what they really fear of actually mingling with other cultures. Mm -hmm. And they've actually said that one of the major things that they believe is that it's their looks that really stop them and the communication and their attitude towards mm -hmm. that uh, idea. So I wanted to challenge that concept and basically show them a different perspective of I'm an international student myself and mm, you know mm. it's not really looks it's the way you say things and communicate mm. so what I'm going to plan on doing is basically I'm going to be wearing a ridiculous outfit it could be anything like a you know animal costume mm -hmm. that will eliminate the fear that it's looks uh, because the first mm -hmm. thing people see is your outfit you know yes. and I would go and approach people and the second thing I would do is make it harder by starting the conversation with a song line that would really confuse the people <laughs> And they would auto automatically put me in a different, you know, level of uh, mm -hmm. weirdness. Yeah, you're certainly going to challenge them by doing yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to initiate the conversation after this challenging part because they're already in their mind. I'm a really different person. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to invite them over to be friends or for something, you know, after that. And that will show them a different perspective, hopefully, mm -hmm. that it's actually not looks. It's, you know, more about your attitude towards how you mm -hmm. greet people. Yeah. Um, awesome. Hopefully that might spark some interest. So are you going to have somebody filming while you're doing that? That's a really good question. Now, I've been having friends, few friends, but no one's been really consistent. Ah, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I do have a tripod. I have the equipment ready, but mm -hmm. it's just that one friend. Everybody's working, you know? Mm. So really mm. get that one time. That's a challenge. Yes. But uh, yes. I'm, I definitely do have a few friends who've yeah. been helping with that. It's probably one of the biggest disadvantages of being in such a small community uh, where you can't easily get a hold of mm. two or three people to even to help you out That's right. uh, for some of these projects. So it's honestly been a blessing that I found this group. Otherwise, like in New South Wales, it was like we had the whole university, first of all. And then other than that, there was a group of like the, a group of like 10,000 people. Mm. And uh, we would like all message and, you know, 10, 20 might show up to help us out. Yeah. So in, in New South Wales, it's been easy that most people would already help me for the videos. And I was at university, so most people knew me from there. Mm. So it wasn't a big of a hassle. But over here, people want to remain in their comfort zone and they find it really challenging, you know, a stranger approaching them with a camera so mm. that's the challenge I find here yeah yeah and and I think uh, that this is something that a lot of um, NT filmmakers uh, come across is this idea that um, it's such a small community there's just not those resources um, which is in fact why the NT filmmakers uh, network was set up in the first place that's great thanks for your time today Eddie that's really been appreciated so folks that was Eddie Sikander talking about some of his upcoming projects working with the cultural diversity that we have in the NT.
We're fast approaching the start of the 2019 season at the Deck Chair Cinema. Opening night is on Wednesday the 10th of April 2019. The opening night film is Barry Jenkins' If Beale Street Could Talk. Set in early 1970s Harlem, If Beale Street Could Talk is a timeless and moving love story of both a couple's unbreakable bond and the African-American family's empowering embrace, as told through the eyes of 19-year-old Tish Rivers, screen newcomer Kiki Lane. A daughter and wife-to-be, Trish vividly recalls the passion, respect and trust that have connected her and her artist fiancé, Alonzo Hunt, who goes by the nickname Fonny, played by Stephen James. Friends since childhood, the devoted couple dream of a future together, but their plans are derailed when Fonny is arrested for a crime he did not commit. Through the unique intimacy and power of cinema, If Beale Street Could Talk honours the author's prescient words and imagery, charting the emotional currents navigated in an unforgiving and racially biased world as the filmmaker poetically crosses time frames to show how love and humanity endure. You can get your tickets for this and other films at the Deck Chair Cinema from their website www.deckchaircinema.com. So today we're talking to Penny Payton, who's uh, come from the NT Filmmakers Network, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about creatives and the struggles that they go through in order to get paid for the work that they do. Penny, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Steve. You're more than welcome. Tell us how we get money for our creatives. Well, I I just noticed um, on the NT Filmmakers Network there was like a lot of talk about like, you know, people getting paid and there was a lot of like sort of discussions around oh how much should I be paid and and that's always really mm-hmm. important to sort of yeah focus on mm. something that should be agreed on up front before yeah. people agree to be part of a project yeah exactly mm-hmm. so like uh, my sort of common answer to this question is like the Australian government and the non-territory government usually have award rates for mm. pretty much every industry so it's always a good place to look on the on the web to find out if there are award rates for, for example, cinematographers, mm-hmm. for photographers. And if you're unsure, you can always talk to the cinematographer and go, what is your rate and how much would you like to be remunerated for your work? But more commonly, we find that on the network, there's a lot of like unpaid opportunities. Mm. And as a person that sort of runs the network, we find these opportunities are as equally important as paid opportunities mm. because for young people trying to get into the industry, often and not, you will have to be not paid to kind of mm. get to know and get the knowledge that you require to like, yeah, get into the industry. So, yeah, so... A lot of questions on the network around, you know, do I support people to get paid opportunities? And it's like, definitely, yes. Mm. Like we, like the network is there for paid opportunities yep. as well as unpaid. Yes. So. And, and it sort of becomes like a, a little bit of a balance because it's not mm-hmm. just new people who are mm-hmm. coming in to, to learn the, the ropes. It could also be mm-hmm. people who are starting out as new directors, new producers, even um, new cinematographers who need assistance for their own small projects and don't necessarily have any funding 
for that. It's all out of your own pocket. Yeah, a lot of the projects are passion projects. Mm, so, mm. well, that's what I like to call them. Yeah, I, uh, I agree, yeah. So, yeah, like, and we're, we all kind of have to start out somewhere. Yeah. And often, you know, passion projects, you'd get your family roped in. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes they're, you know, the, the network is there to ask questions, mm. you know, to even borrow gear or try and hire yeah. gear. Mm-hmm. You know, often um, what I'll try and do is sometimes I'll try and borrow, like for a passion project, mm-hmm. I'll try and borrow the gear, but then pay my creators with whatever budget I was gonna set aside yes. for my equipment costs. Mm-hmm. So I find that a good way. But Nats could sort of go to how, like what um, outsiders perceive of the creative industry. Mm. It is actually very, it can be difficult to be a paid creative, mm. but people do it. Like yep. people make it their mission to be paid in their, mm-hmm. like their desired field. Like for example, I work for uh, the government mm-hmm. doing video production in, in my work area. So I always, that's a way you can find you know, to be paid in the industry mm. so that you can fund your passion projects. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's also, I mean, other income revenue streams like, you know, grants. I mean, you've tried to apply for a yes. grant. What was your yes. experience, uh, Steve? Um, <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's a slow process, a great deal of paperwork and, yeah. and, and absolutely no guarantee of, of an outcome. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think from my own experience, going into grant funding and saying, yeah, absolutely, you should apply for it, but don't have an expectation that just because you see the project as the best short film or the best Mm -hmm. documentary or the best project going, that necessarily Mm -hmm. you're going to have agreement by the people who are uh, looking at those grants and determining who. And so long as I think you have that that open mind and say, well, okay, yeah, they'll give me feedback, and that's certainly been my experience of... Um, put in for, for projects that haven't been successful in gaining funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know of uh, one fellow who um, is uh, got funded on his fourth attempt. Yeah. His fourth submission was he got it to the point where they were happy to, to fund the project. And that's sometimes mm. the, the catch is that you need to show something that you mm. so that they can visualise yes. what you're trying to apply for a grant with versus like, yeah, not doing anything. So mm. I think it's always a bit of a, you know, testing the, the field, trying to find out what appeals to people. Yes. You know, ultimately how I see any projects, you're trying to market it to people. Exactly. Um, so you, you need to have an understanding of, you know, who's your target audience mm. and what's your genre of the film. And you might not actually know that until you actually dive in mm. and try try it so yep. yeah yep. there is there are some things which will sound good on paper or sound good in your head but won't necessarily translate mm-hmm. yeah. and again that's where the network can come in because there'll be people who've done that in mm-hmm. the past or something like that in the past who've got expertise yeah there's some really great like key creatives mm-hmm. out there i mean i've got people that have been optioned in la mm-hmm. um, no, like phil phil yeah. denson he's a great screenwriter mm. and you know, if you have questions about screenwriting or you're looking to develop your skill set, you should definitely, you know, look at 
uh, training opportunities. Part of the Anti-Filmmakers Network is to create training opportunities mm. for mm. Territorians. Yep. So we hope this year, or my aim this year, mm. is to create a screenwriting opportunity. Nice, um, like a workshop? Yeah, like a workshop. Nice. Hopefully sometime this year. And also working with like Screen Territory to you know help them out mm. to promote some of their key initiatives. So yeah, I mean, mm. if Screen Territory is listening out there, um, some great, you know, we've had some previously some great opportunities for mm. workshops. Like we had uh, this the National School come to the Territory yes. mm-hmm. to deliver a workshop on delivering content on video demand, uh, video on demand, mm-hmm. such as Stan and Netflix. Mm-hmm. These are the sorts of opportunities that don't necessarily yeah. come up our way that yeah. people in Sydney or Melbourne or mm-hmm. perhaps even Brisbane and Adelaide maybe yeah. take for granted. Yeah, and also like on that, like mm. when, when you're looking for like trying to get your project up and running, you might have already got your project to a point where you want to show, you know, a video on demand business like Stan, you definitely should check out like the different states grants and opportunities. Mm-hmm. So yep. uh, things like Vic- Film Victoria had a uh, relationship with Stan to, de- mm-hmm. um, to develop content. So look, f- if you're finding it difficult to find funding within your state, definitely look further afield than mm-hmm. your state. Mm-hmm. I know our state tends to have specific content that it mm. likes to show like it might be there might be a strong aboriginal focus mm. in the northern yes. territory while other states might not have that that mm. focus so i suppose getting funded is a huge yeah it can be a huge barrier mm. but yeah. it can be a good way to like challenge yourself yeah so. I, I know for a lot of the screen territory funding um, different categories mm-hmm. um, you need to include statements about how mm-hmm. your film will benefit the northern territory yeah so that's that's obviously providing a very niche sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, aspect to it which yeah. which may not necessarily suit mm-hmm. every project yeah. So yeah, really good point about about going wider. Yeah. I've heard a couple of people say, oh, you know, you can't go to Screen Australia until you've approached Screen Territory. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that. And I don't think there's any hard the and fast rules mm, about yeah. like how you approach funding. Yeah. Um, projects are being funded by other government departments. Yes. Always like look beyond like what mm. someone says, and I mean Screen Australia, for example, they have uh, like grant programs called Hot Shots, mm-hmm. where you don't need any screen credits at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of grants require you to have like a, either a director's credit or a, a producer that's got a credit mm. that, to be attached to the project. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not all funding is like that. Mm. And there's also businesses like themusicbed.com. Mm-hmm. They do regular promotions to get filmmakers you know, money that they need. So nice. like they do mm. grants too. Mm. So bi- there's active businesses like Road and mm-hmm. um, themusicbed.com and uh, um, other places that you can look to find mm. funding. So it is like, I think with creative pursuits, it's always hard to get paid because often people don't see the work that goes behind yes. the final product. Mm. And that's like with a lot of things, really. It is, uh, you know, a labor of love, but mm. it is a labor of love that 
requires payment and exactly <laughs> too. Yes. So it'd be it'd be lovely to go in and, and do it full time, but unless yeah. you're going to start with a Jurassic Park, it's yeah, not necessarily going to be that way. Yeah, so, yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it'd be um, Steve, like it'd be great to like talk to other filmmakers mm. and their perspectives on how they get paid. And yeah. So the next Anti Filmmakers Network meetup will be on Thursday, the fourth of April. So it'd be great to catch up with lots of different people. I know that we'll have lots of thing, great um, presenters to showcase their films or their different skill set. I mean, previously with the the last session, we had a makeup artist called jo- Joanna. She mm-hmm. came. We had Stephen Hoare from Dream Media demonstrate the Steadicam, which is a really important cinema tool to um, to create steady shots. We had a, a film shown by uh, Phil Denson and uh, Levin Deshenko. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really funny. And we also had a film that was made in a day um, by uh, Nathaniel Kelly and Thomas Medina. So definitely check out those films. And yeah, we'll have lots of great things like this lined up for the next session. And we do um, encourage people to come a little bit early just mm-hmm. to have a bit of a chat to their peers so they can get just meet people that are like-minded yep. and love mm-hmm. filmmaking. And then we pretty much kick off at 6.30 showcasing all the different great projects. Fantastic. And whereabouts we're meeting? Oh, so yeah. um, we're meeting, we meet regularly at The Hive, which mm-hmm. is in Nightcliff. Pavonia Place is the street. And it's at 6 p.m. is when everybody sort of rocks up. But yep. 6.30 is when, you know, the procession kicks off. So. Nice. Thank you. Thanks, Penny. Thanks for coming along and uh, sharing that. Uh, if you'd like to get some more information about payment for creatives and, and tap into that creative network that we have for the NT filmmakers, come along to one of the monthly sessions. Uh, as Penny said, 4th of April, 6 o'clock for a 6.30 start at The Hive. Thanks very much, Penny. Thank you Appreciate very much, you coming Steve. on. Okay, you're on a shoot. You're fighting the light, trying to get your shot before the sun sets. You've been filming all day and you need to do your fourth camera battery swap for the day. You need to hurry, so you quickly eject the spent battery and toss it into your gear bag, just like you've been doing all day. You reach into your bag to get another battery, but wait a minute. Is this a fresh battery or one you used up hours ago? How can you tell? Camera batteries look the same no matter what their charge level. And what if this was a multi-camera shoot? You're backing up all the cards after that very long shooting day and you have got no idea which card came from which camera or whether it was card one or two or three or more from that camera. You dread the idea of having to view the first few clips of every card to try to work out from the angle which camera it might have come from or the order of the card. Fortunately, there are some easy tips and tricks you can employ during your shoots to help you manage your cards and batteries without this stress or confusion. First tip is to number your batteries. If the battery is black, use a white marker or even one of those correction pens you can get from a stationery store. Then use the batteries in sequence. The first battery you use on the shoot is battery number one, the second battery number two, the third battery number three, and so on. 
That way, when you take a battery out of the camera, you simply look at the number and whatever the next number is, is the one that's fresh and ready to go in. So if you remove battery three, you know you need to put battery four in next. Also, at the end of the day, when it comes to recharging all your spent batteries, whatever battery you pull out of the camera, let's say it's number five, that means that one, two, three, and four are all spent because otherwise five wouldn't be in the camera. So you need to charge all five of those batteries with those numbers. Tip number two is to buy from a hardware store or a cheap shop a roll of red electrical tape. Cut a few short lengths of electrical tape, store them somewhere handy, and then when you finish using a battery, put a piece of tape over it. The piece of tape shows the battery has been spent so that if you see a battery even without looking at the number or even remembering what number you're up to, the tape will tell you that that battery is not to be used. The third tip for managing those batteries is to keep them together. I find a simple vinyl pencil case like we had in primary school is ideal. It's got a zip on it so nothing can fall out. We can easily attach those strips of electrical tape to the outside. And they're easy to peel off and reattach when we finish using them. And it's easy to pull it out of our camera bag when we're ready to do battery changes. And if you're a bit tight for space, you can even roll it up a little bit if you need to. Fold the excess over and tuck it into a corner somewhere. For your AA and AAA batteries, I recommend going with rechargeable ones. They're far more cost effective. I've been using Eneloop batteries for years. Again, not a sponsor. Bought these out of my own pocket. I've got multiple sets of these and I've been using them for years and years and years. When you buy your rechargeable batteries, they often come in a pack of four. I label each battery in that pack with a letter. So the first packet has four batteries labeled A. The second packet has four batteries labeled B. So they become sets, set A, set B, set C, and so on. This means that I'm consistent in using them. Most of my devices use four double A's, so I can use a full set. If I'm putting double A's into a light, it gets set A. When set A is finished, it'll get set B, and so on. The batteries are used consistently that way. Tip number two is to buy battery cases. I get mine from eBay for about $1.50 each, and each case holds four AA or four AAA batteries. So I can put a full set, set A, set B, set C, of my rechargeable batteries into a single case, and they travel together then when they're not being used. The third tip is to use that red electrical tape again. This time, place the strip of tape on the outside of the case. When the batteries are spent, put them back into the case and then take the tape off and use it to seal the case. That way you know that if you need to remove the tape to get to the batteries, those batteries are spent. Makes it very easy to recharge them at the end of the shoot and also makes it really easy to see at a glance which batteries are still fresh and ready to be used. For managing your SD cards, I've got a really neat little system that makes sure that you always know which cards have been used and which cards are still blank. Buy a hard-sided case to hold your cards. I got one from eBay for less than $10 and that holds 12 SD cards. Keep all your cards, whether they're used or unused, in this case unless they're in a camera pop into the hardware store and buy a roll of painter's tape. It's often coloured blue, it's a very low tack tape, and it's used for masking areas when you're painting. 
cut out some small squares of the tape, label them, one, two, three, etc., with a marker, and then stick the labelled squares onto the outside of your hard case. These are going to be used to mark your cards once you've used them. As you use a card, place the next sequential piece of tape onto the face of the card. That way, only cards without tape are available during the shoot. Any card with tape on it needs to be backed up at the end of the shooting day. If it's a multi-camera shoot, label each camera with painter's tape. Camera A, camera B, camera C. Then create the card labels in the same way, but this time the label will be A1, A2, A3, B1, B2, B3, and so on. Once you've backed up all the footage, return the tape label to the card. Only permanently take the tape off the card and put it back onto the cover of your case when you are actually formatting the card. That way, only blank cards in your card case will have no tape on them. So I hope that helps everybody and that you can put some of these tips and tricks into practice at your next filming day. Swamp Industries, who provide exceptional quality audio equipment and cables, are offering a 10% discount on their non-sale items for NT Filmmakers podcast listeners. The offer begins on the 1st of April and expires on the 30th of April 2019. To take advantage of this offer, enter the coupon code NTFILM10, that's capital N, capital T, capital F, I-L-M, 10, at checkout. Their awesome audio gear can be found at www.swamp.net.au. Thanks for joining us in this episode of the NT Filmmakers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information and most informative interviews about all things filmmaking in the Northern Territory. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.untoldigitalmedia.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an Untold Digital Media production, copyright 2019.